Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Wesley assisting me today. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be called The Journey to Freedom, brothers and sisters. The, the Journey to Freedom. Today we will discuss the process of freedom, brothers and sisters. There are three phases to freedom. Bondage, deliverance, and testing. There are three phases, brothers and sisters, that you have to remember. Jot this down. Bondage, deliverance, and testing. So there, it's a difficult path to freedom, brothers and sisters. And we're going to utilize the Bible today. We're going to utilize biblical text today to illustrate the process to freedom. We're going to go to John chapter 8. We're going to read verse 31 through 36, Brother Wesley. John chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Christ to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. If ye what? If ye, co if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. So look at that. If you continue in my word, now that's critical. You must continue, brothers and sisters. This isn't something you can receive and then go back. In order to be a disciple, brothers and sisters, you must continue in the word. Uh, what's the next scripture say, brother? And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The key to freedom is knowledge, brothers and sisters. The key to knowledge is truth. That's what he's showing you. Can you read that again, brother? And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Brothers and sisters, our greatest enemy, man's greatest enemy is not Satan. It's not the fallen angels, brothers and sisters. It's ignorance. Ignorance is man's greatest enemy. John chapter 8, verse 33. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How, sa how sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Now this is showing you something. They're saying, well, hold on. We're the seed of Abraham, have never been in bondage to man. Then how are you saying we can be made free? What did Christ say, brother? Christ answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Now that's key, especially for black people. I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. Because this is showing you what, brothers and sisters? This is showing you that there's a bondage in which doesn't utilize shackles and chains. See, and that's hard for our people to understand sometimes because of historically, you know, transatlantic slave trade. So what Christ is showing you here is that there's another type of servitude or slavery, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Christ answered, answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. Is the what? Is, is the servant of sin. The servant of sin. We are all under the power and control of a natural tendency to ten, uh, excuse me, to sin, brothers and sisters. So that's critical. It says, whosoever committed sin is a servant of sin. What is today's lesson, brothers and sisters? The journey to freedom. Three phases. Number one, bondage. Number two, deliverance. And number three, testing, brothers and sisters. And Christ is showing here that whoever committed sin is a servant of that sin, brothers and sisters. Um, can you read that one more time, brother? John chapter 8, verse 34. Christ answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. Servant of sin, and we can't get away from it by ourselves, brothers and sisters. Without Christ, we are slaves to sin, unable to do what is right. So this is the freedom that sin has long denied us, brothers and sisters. But the key part is when it says, if you continue in my word, in 31... Then you shall be my disciples or apostles indeed. So the mark of true freedom is continuance. It's perseverance, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove that. Uh, can you read 35, brother? John chapter 8, verse 35. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. See, so that's key when we talk about continuance. Because slaves or servants can be expelled from the household at any time. Especially if they're not faithful, brothers and sisters. So what is this showing you? This is showing that you and I are currently enjoying the privileges of being in God's household. But you can lose this status if you continue in your sinful ways. Can you read that one more time, brother? John chapter 8, verse 35. And the servant abideth not in the house forever. But the son abideth ever. See, so if you're a servant in someone's house, you can be put out at any time if you're unfaithful. Right? If you're a son, then listen, you're not, you can't be put out. Even if you are unfaithful. <laughs> right? We're just speaking in a, a logical today's terms. Brothers and sisters, you can have somebody who's a maid. Right? The maid don't do what's right. You find another maid. But the son or the daughter, listen... They don't do what's right. That's still your son or daughter. So it's showing you something here, brothers and sisters. Continuance. Read the next scripture, please, Brother Wesley. John chapter 8, verse 36. If the son, therefore, shall make you free. Read that again. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Ye shall what? Ye shall be free indeed. Free indeed. Now that's key. Because there's a difference between being free and being free indeed, brothers and sisters. See? In order to be free indeed, you must continue. <laughs> See? In order to be free indeed, there must be a continuance once you're delivered, brothers and sisters. So this is, this is vital. Because Christ was not setting us free to do whatever we wanted. He was freeing us to do what we ought to do, brothers and sisters. Why? Because we were all born servants of sin. Brothers and sisters, if the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I need you to remember that. Free indeed, brothers and sisters. Free indeed. Brother Wesley, let's go to Second Peter, brother. 2 and 19. We're going to stay in the New Testament, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. We're going to Second Peter, chapter 2, verse 19. Second Peter, chapter 2. Verse 19. What does that say? While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. Now that's key because liberty is another word for freedom in the Bible. Brothers and sisters, can you read that again? While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. See, so the world typically claims that freedom means doing whatever I want or whatever you want, brothers and sisters. But in fact, those are slaves mastered by their own sinful desires. Can you read that again? Second Peter chapter 2, verse 19. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. Read that part again. 
read it from the top, please. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same as he brought in bondage. You see, so that's key, brothers and sisters. Those who are saying they have liberty to do whatever they want, they themselves are slaves of appetite, brothers and sisters. And that's critical. Because why? Christians tell you, listen, we're free from the law. The law is done away with. I can eat whatever I want. I can celebrate whatever I want. See, so while they're promising you the liberty to do that, they are actually servants of corruption themselves, brothers and sisters. See, or you should have the freedom to love who you love, whether that be a man, a dog, a computer. Listen, that that's freedom. You should have the freedom to do that. No, brother, you're a slave, a servant of corruption. Now, that's key. Why? Because verse 20 is going to magnify Second Peter chapter 2, verse 20. For if there after they have escaped the pollutions of the world. For what? For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Christ. So look at this. You can only escape the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Christ. They are again entangled therein and overcome the latter in is worse with them than the beginning. So that's key, brothers and sisters. <laughs> this is showing us that true freedom is the ability to say no to ourselves, to lead the path of destruction, brothers and sisters. This is critical. I need you to jot this scripture down, brothers and sisters. Second Peter 2 and 19 and 20. Why? Because those who are slaves to corrupt passions are utter strangers to freedom and bound in the chains of servitude, brothers and sisters. Now, that's key. You have to remember that, brothers and sisters. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse than the beginning. Why? Because when you go back to something you've already been delivered from, it's always worse, brothers and sisters. It's always worse. If you ever met a person who was delivered from alcohol, was clean for three years or whatever the case may be. When they go back, it's always worse. When a, a person is delivered from drug abuse, substance abuse, a lot of times when they come back, they overdose because they're overdoing it, brothers and sisters. So he's telling you, once you are free, do not get entangled again and overcome, brothers and sisters. Now, this is very vital. This lesson is very vital, brothers and sisters. Why? Because any misconception of freedom will always result in bondage. So we have to know what bondage is. We have to know what freedom is according to the Bible, brothers and sisters. Three phases to freedom. What are those three phases, brothers and sisters? <laughs> those three phases are, number one, bondage. Number two, deliverance. Number three, testing, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Why? Because we're dealing with the first phase of freedom, which is bondage. You must know what bondage is in order to know what freedom is, brothers and sisters. We're going to Romans chapter 6. We're going to read verse 16, Brother Wesley. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye 
or to whom he obeyed. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Know ye not that whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. See, now why do we go here, brothers and sisters? Because in order to see clearly what freedom is, you must know what bondage looks like, brothers and sisters. And Paul shows us that we become slaves of whomever we continue to obey, brothers and sisters, showing that we are in an ongoing battle to serve the right master, brothers and sisters. Know ye not that whomever you yield yourself servant to obey, that's whose servant you are. Whether that's sin, which brings forth death or obedience, that brings forth the fruit of righteousness, brothers and sisters, we're either Excuse me, we're either contributing to death or to righteousness, brothers and sisters. We're going to read verse 16 again. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or unto obedience unto righteousness. Jump to verse 12, brother Wesley. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. What did that say? Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Now that's key. This is telling us we must not let sin make us obey. Why, brothers and sisters? Read that one more time, brother. Romans chapter 6 verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. So that she should obey your lust. Now, the previous scripture said, ye are a servant to whom you obey. Now, this is talking about obeying your lust. <laughs> See? So, he commands us to engage in that battle with our desires. Are you a servant to your lust? Many of us are, brothers and sisters. You are a servant to whom you obey. And this scripture says that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Obey what? Obey sin through lust. So many of us are doing what, brothers and sisters? We are serving our lust. See? So the freedom that Christ came to bring isn't freedom to do whatever you want. It's freedom from obeying your lust, brothers and sisters. That's why it says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. R-E-I-G-N. Reign, brothers and sisters. Now that's critical. Because we're showing bondage. In order to know what freedom is, you must know what bondage looks like, brothers and sisters. And this is bondage. This is the spiritual bondage that Christ came to free us from, brothers and sisters. Further proof. Let's go to Psalms, Brother Wesley. Let's go to the Tanakh. Let's go to, to the Old Testament. We're going to Psalms chapter 119 and verse 133, brother. Psalms, chapter 119, verse 133. Order my steps in thy word. Do what? Order my steps in thy word. And let not any iniquity have dominion over me. And what? And let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Have what? And let not any iniquity have dominion over me. To magnify the enslaving power of sin. Let not iniquity have dominion over me. See, brothers and sisters, that no wicked passion or propensity might be allowed to rule over us, brothers and sisters, to show you that iniquity has power to have dominion. 
If you allow it, iniquity has dominion over you, brothers and sisters. See? It's a sad thing to be enslaved to any lust or sin, brothers and sisters. Let's read that again. Psalms chapter 119, verse 133. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so will I keep thy precepts. So look at that, brothers and sisters. Look at that. It says, deliver me from the oppression of man, so I will keep thy precepts. To show you the only way to be delivered from oppression <laughs> is to keep the precept. What is the precept? Scripture, brothers and sisters. This is showing us we must be effervescent in denying our pleasures. Why? Because they have power if allowed to have dominion over us, brothers and sisters. See, this is what we need Christians to see. You can't say that the law is done away with without being in bondage, brothers and sisters. Eating the pork, the Sunday worship, breaking the Sabbath, dealing with the pagan holidays, the Christmas, the Easter, the Thanksgiving. See, they have dominion over you. How do we know? When is the last time you didn't celebrate Christmas? When is the last time you didn't have a Christmas tree in your house on December 25th? Exactly. Most of us have never not had a Christmas tree in our house on December 25th to show you that it has dominion over you because you can't stop. See? Let's go to Psalms, brother. Chapter 19, verse 12. Psalms, chapter 19, verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from the secret faults. Do what? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. So the whole, this is something key here. Cleanse thou me from secret faults, brothers and sisters. Continue. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Those are willful sins. So it's showing you that we have secret faults that are unbeknownst to ourselves. And then you have the presumptuous sin, which is willful sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Read that again. Verse 13. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. So, brothers and sisters, if we allow our carnal excuse me, if we allow our carnal natures to dominate us, we remain blind to many of our sins. That's why it says, "Cleanse thou me from secret faults." And guess what? Sin is a hard master. Its dominion is vast, and the reward is death, brothers and sisters. Read uh, 12 and 13 one more time, brother. Psalms chapter 19, verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Let them what? Let them not have dominion over me. There it is again. Let not sin have dominion over me. Why? Because sin often secures that kind of domineering mastery over the mind, brothers and sisters. Making a slave of him who yields to it, brothers and sisters. Then shall I be upright. To show you what? <laughs> if sin have dominion over you, you are not upright. I don't care how many uh, Sundays you've gone to church. <laughs> okay. I don't care how many times you put on an Easter suit or you've put tithes and offering in the basket. If sin have dominion over you, you are not upright. And I shall be innocent from the great transgression. So look at that. The only way to be innocent 
from the great transgression is to not allow sin to have dominion over me, over us, brothers and sisters. And that's key because we wanted to show you that sin have the power to keep us in bondage, brothers and sisters. See, we have to show you what bondage is first. Why? Because there's three phases to freedom, brothers and sisters. Number one, bondage. So we have to show you bondage. We have to show you what bondage looks like. Number two, deliverance. We have to utilize the biblical text to show what deliverance looks like. And then testing. Why? Because you have to continue in order to be free. We're going to go to Lamentations, brother. Follow us, brothers and sisters. We're staying in the Old Testament. Lamentations chapter 1, verse 14, brother Wesley. Lamentations chapter 1, verse 14. The yoke of my transgressions is bound by his hand. What did that say? The yoke of my transgressions is bound by his hand. The yoke of my transgression to prove that sin is a package deal, brothers and sisters. You can't have the sin without the yoke of bondage. Sin is a package deal, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? <clears throat> Lamentations chapter 1 verse 14. The yoke of my transgression is bound by his hand. They are they are wreathed and come upon my neck. He hath made my strength to fall. The Lord hath delivered me into their hands. From whom I am not able to rise up. Now that's key brothers and sisters. The yoke of my transgression. It says it shall come upon my neck. To show you brothers and sisters. Iniquity is accompanied by bondage. Brothers and sisters. The exploitation of sin. Is always a precursor to bondage. <laughs> so when a Christian. Or somebody say. Well you know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just doing me. You know. I'm not following Satan. I'm just doing me. You are a slave, brother. You are a slave, sister. You don't even know what slavery looks like. But if you're dealing in sin purposely, continued purpose sin, you have a yoke around your neck. See? That's key, brothers and sisters. Iniquity is always accompanied by bondage. It's always coupled with the yoke of bondage, brothers and sisters. So what are we doing? We're utilizing the biblical text to show us what bondage looks like, brothers and sisters. What is the precursor to servitude, to bondage, brothers and sisters? The yoke of my transgression. <clears throat> this is a package deal. Transgression or, or, or sin is a package deal that comes with a yoke of iron around your neck, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Zephaniah. Stand in the Old Testament here. For a little while, brothers and sisters, we're going to Zephaniah chapter one, verse 17. Zephaniah chapter one, verse 17. What does that say, brother? And I will bring distress, distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men. Like, like what? <clears throat> and I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men. Walk like what? Walk like blind men. To amplify the blinding effect of sin, brothers and sisters. Because they have sinned against the Lord. Because what? Because they have sinned against the Lord. Sin blinds us to our true spiritual state, brothers and sisters. And their blood shall be poured out as dust, and their flesh as the dung. See, so look at that, brothers and sisters. Look at that closely. We're going to have Brother Wesley read that again. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 17. And I will bring distress upon men, that they shall walk like blind men, 
Because they have sinned against the Lord. Because what? Because they have sinned against the Lord. And their blood shall be poured out as dust, and their flesh as the dung. See? So you lose the protection <laughs> when you sin. And also, not only does it bring, bring a yoke, but it brings blinders, brothers and sisters. So this, this particular text indicates the blinding influence of sin. So the, scrip the, the scripture previous, Lamentations, what was that? 1 and 14 said, with sin comes a yoke, a bondage. Zephaniah 1 and 17 says, you shall walk like blind men because you sinned against the Lord. With those two scriptures, if you look at those two scriptures in conjunction, what does that show you? That shows you that we're slaves but can't even see it, brothers and sisters. See, most of our people don't even know that they're slaves. They think they're just doing what they do. No. Iniquity brings the yoke of bondage and it brings blindness, spiritual blindness. So when we go to our people, predominantly Christians, or even people who are not Christians who are still breaking this law, they don't even realize that they're in the yoke of bondage, that they're a servant to sin. They believe they're just doing what they want to do. <laughs> I need you to really analyze this closely, brothers and sisters. This is vital. We need to show bondage. See, we're showing bondage. He who, who commits sin is a servant of sin. Bondage. Let not sin reign in your mortal body. Let not iniquity have dominion over me. See, what are we showing you? We're showing you bondage to sin, brothers and sisters. All bondage is not whip you on your back and pick some peas, pick some cotton. This bondage is more severe, brothers and sisters. Why? Because you think you're free. See, brothers and sisters, we're showing you the spiritual, not the carnal, but the spiritual form of servitude, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Psalms chapter 82, verse 5. Psalms chapter 82, verse 5. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. They do what? They walk on in darkness. And all and the foundations of the earth are out of course. Take your time. Read that one more time, brother. Psalms chapter 82, 82 verse 5. They know not, neither will they understand. They know not and don't understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are or out of course. No one is more enslaved than a slave who doesn't think they're enslaved, brothers and sisters. It says they know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness, and all the foundations of the earth are out of course. Brothers and sisters, Harriet Tubman had a famous quote. She said, I could have freed a thousand more slaves if they only knew they were slaves. Now I need that to I need you to sit with that, brothers and sisters. Why? Because being inundated with sin causes a spiritual blindness, brothers and sisters. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. So with the children of Israel's sin, the Negroes, the natives, the Hispanics, the whole earth is out of course. You have those who should be serving, ruling, brothers and sisters. Cutting down the force, drilling into the ground. Remember that? What was that? Probably 10 years ago when they, you had the BP oil spill. The earth is crying out for us, brothers and sisters. They're destroying the earth. 
the Bible tell you the whole earth is out of course because of sin, brothers and sisters. We walk in darkness. They know not, neither will they understand. When it says neither will they understand, shows you a refusal to understand, brothers and sisters. Our people refuse to understand. Why? Because they want to continue, you know, with what they think is freedom, which is actually bondage, brothers and sisters. It's actually bondage. Let's prove that. Let's go to Proverbs, brother. One of Proverbs, follow us, brothers and sisters. Chapter 4, verse 19, the journey to freedom. Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 19. The way of the wicked is as darkness. What did that say? The way of the wicked is as, a, as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Read that again. Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 19. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. They know not at what they stumble. So this scripture indicates that sinners are in such darkness that they are insensible of the objects which are leading them to stumble. Brothers and sisters, they keep hurting themselves with that which they cannot see. See? So they don't know why they chip and fall, for they cannot see the errors in their thinking. Why? Because sin is blinding. Brothers and sisters, things in our life continue to spiral out of control and we don't understand why. See? Why? Because sin have dominion over you, brothers and sisters. Every man, black, white, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, African, are born into sin. All of us, brothers and sisters, are born into servitude. Servitude to whom? Servitude to sin. Brothers and sisters, and there's only one way out. There's only one way out, and it's through the book, the precept, the Bible, brothers and sisters. It's not in the Gita. It's not in the Egyptian book of the dead. It's not in the Quran. It's not in the Buddhist book, the Hindu book. The way out of uh, bondage, the journey to freedom is contained in biblical texts, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Colossians. We're going to the New Testament. Brothers and sisters, please follow us to Colossians. We're going to read chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. 12. Verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Continue. Who have delivered us from the power of darkness. Who have what? Who have delivered us. From the power of darkness. Darkness is here personified and represented as having power, brothers and sisters. And have translated us in the kingdom of his dear son. Read those two scriptures again, brother. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Inheritance of the saints in light. Who have delivered us. From the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now what's critical here is that word delivered. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Brothers and sisters, one thing that you must remember is don't ever confuse deliverance with freedom. Because they're not the same, brothers and sisters. Deliverance is not freedom. Deliverance is the opportunity to pursue freedom, brothers and sisters. And that's key. You're going to need to understand that. Because why? There's three phases 
of, to freedom, brothers and sisters. Number one is bondage, which we've just shown. We've just shown the bondage, brothers and sisters. We've shown that sin lead to a yoke of bondage, brothers and sisters. And now we have to show the deliverance. We have to show deliverance. Where is the deliverance? How are we delivered from the power of darkness, brothers and sisters? Always remember, jot this down, brothers and sisters. Deliverance is the opportunity to pursue freedom. It is not freedom, brothers and sisters. Let's go to 1 Peter, brother, because we have to show where deliverance is. We know what bondage is. Now we need to know where can we find deliverance. Brothers and sisters, follow us to 1 Peter 3 and 18. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened in the, by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient. Now that's key. The spirits in prison were sometimes disobedient. Why? Because sin, brothers and sisters, put you in servitude, the yoke of my transgression. To show you a spiritual prison comes through what? Transgression of the law. Can you read 19 again? By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Eight souls what? Eight saves eight souls were saved by water. Eight what? Eight souls were saved by water. Saved by water. That's deliverance. Deliverance is always come through the water, brothers and sisters. Eight souls were delivered or saved by water, brothers and sisters. What does that mean? During the time of Noah, the Bible tell you, what is that? Genesis chapter 6. You had, fall, the, the, you had fallen angels, brothers and sisters, that slept with women and bred what you would call giants or Nephilim, brothers and sisters. You had the dinosaurs because Satan was cross-slicing animals that was killing man. So it was the water that delivered the eight souls. Who are the eight souls? Noah, Ham, Shem, Japheth, and their four wives, brothers and sisters. So why do we go here? Because it's showing you that eight souls were saved by water. Deliverance is in the water. Further proof. Can you read, brother, the next scripture? First Peter chapter 3, verse 21. The like figure whereunto even baptism doeth also now save us. Read that again. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Christ. Now the key part is the like figure whereunto even baptism do also now save us. To show you deliverance has always come through the water. Noah was delivered through water. We are delivered through water, brothers and sisters. See? Can you read 20 and 21 again, brother? Take your time. First Peter chapter 3, verse 20. Which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. They were what? 
eight souls were saved by water. Continue. The like figure whereunto even baptism doeth also now save now us. Now that's critical, brothers and sisters. Deliverance is in the water. Being emancipated from the bondage of sin and walking in true liberty begins in the water, brothers and sisters. And that's critical. That's key. Because there's a lot of Israelites out there who say you don't need to be, you know, baptized in water. He always used water. He used water with Noah. He used water with the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. When were the children of Israel, when were our people delivered? When we crossed the Red Sea and the Egyptians tried to chase us and the Most High had the water swallow them up. Remember that, brothers and sisters? See, we were delivered in the water. It was the water that crushed our enemies, brothers and sisters. So this is showing us what? This shows us that baptism historically is the ritual of rescue, brothers and sisters. See, in the time of Noah, in the time of Egypt and Pharaoh with Moses and now today. Can you read 21 again, brother? The like figure whereunto even baptism doeth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Christ. Now that last part is key, by the resurrection of Christ. Because Roman tells us, he who's baptized is baptized into his death. <laughs> See? So yes, Christ died for our sins, but if you don't get baptized, you're not covered under his death. Now that's critical. You can say you believe he died, and all, you can do all that. But you haven't received his death unless you get baptized into his death. That's how you put his death on, brothers and sisters. Go back to Romans. Go back to Romans where it says, we that are baptized are baptized into his death and his resurrection, brothers and sisters. The like figure whereunto even baptism doeth also now save us. So what are we showing? We're showing deliverances in water, brothers and sisters. We've showed the bondage, the bondage that we were in, in Egypt, that was bondage. That we were saved or delivered through the water when we crossed the Reed Sea. And now we're also showing you that Noah was delivered through water and we are delivered through water unto baptism. Once you're baptized, you have now been delivered, brothers and sisters. But it's something key. Never confuse deliverance with freedom. Because just because you have been baptized doesn't make you free. That makes you delivered. Let's go back into history. Let's, let's, let's go back into history to show you the baptism or the deliverance of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, brothers and sisters. <laughs> We're going to stick here in the New Testament. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 10 and 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea. Now, I don't want you to be ignorant, Paul is saying to you. How all of our forefathers were under the cloud, what cloud? The cloud that led us in the wilderness, and all passed through. Through the sea. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Read that part again. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. See, that was a form of baptism going through the water, brothers and sisters. That you can read of in Exodus. 
So the Most High used water to deliver, to liberate, to save us from the Egyptians. Through the water, the Israelites escaped slavery, right? Why? Because the enemy was coming to put us in bondage. How did he deliver us? When the water swallowed them up, brothers and sisters. See what we're showing you here? The parting of the Red Sea is an example of God's deliverance through water, brothers and sisters. That's what deliverance is. Deliverance has always been in water, brothers and sisters. Deliverance was in water dealing with our forefather Noah. Deliverance was in water for our forefather Moses. Deliverance is in water for us when we're baptized into Christ's death, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson is what? The journey to freedom, brothers and sisters. We're using biblical text to illustrate the process, the difficult process, to freedom. You must first know what bondage looks like. Then you must know what deliverance looks like, brothers and sisters. Now the question is, what transpired subsequent to what we're reading in chapter 10, verse 1 and 2? Through us being baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, which is going through the Red Sea, when the Red Sea parted. What transpired subsequent to that, brothers and sisters? Deuteronomy 8 and 2 is the answer. Followers, brothers and sisters, to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. The 40 years in the wilderness. What happened after deliverance? 40 years in the wilderness, which is testing. How do we know? Continue. To humble thee and to prove thee. To what? To humble thee and to prove thee. To prove thee, which means a test. See? To know what was in thine heart, whether thou would keep his commandments or no. See? So look at that. On the path to freedom, we must be tested, brothers and sisters. The Most High works with great wisdom to expose our weaknesses. That's what we saw here in the wilderness. Every person has a wilderness experience on our pilgrimage to freedom. You will go through the wilderness. After you come out of that water, once you are delivered, wilderness comes. Testing comes, brothers and sisters. The scripture makes it crystal clear. You have bondage. Spiritual bondage, which is when sin have dominion over you. In our history, when we serve the Egyptians. Once you understand you're in bondage, you have deliverance. Where's deliverance at? Deliverance is in the water, brothers and sisters. We were delivered when our enemies were crushed. After trying to come subdue us and put us back into bondage. And then you have testing, brothers and sisters. It says, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. What was going on in the wilderness? He was testing us so he can see whether we would keep his commandments or no, brothers and sisters. There's three phases to freedom, brothers and sisters. Number one, bondage. Number two, deliverance. Number three, testing, brothers and sisters. Every person will be tested. Every person will go into a wilderness, brothers and sisters, a spiritual wilderness, where he can test what is in our heart. All of this is on the journey to freedom, brothers and sisters. To prove that, let's show you Christ. Let's show you Christ, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Matthew 3. 
We're going to read the last two scriptures in Matthew 3, verse 16 and 17. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And Christ, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now this is key, because why Christ knew that deliverance came through water. <laughs> Christ knew this. See? Now you have to remember, Christ was a slave when he came, brothers and sisters. All of our people were slaves to who? The Romans, brothers and sisters. We were servants to the Romans. So Christ understood, even he must be delivered and deliverance was in the water. Baptism always carries with it that element of deliverance from the chaos and destruction, brothers and sisters. And this is showing you here that baptism unites us to Christ's death. Let's read those two scriptures again, brother. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And Christ, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighted upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now the question is, brothers and sisters, we said that after the bondage is recognized and we're delivered through water, what comes next? Testing. So let's see, brothers and sisters, let's see if that hypothesis is accurate according to biblical text. What happened immediately after Christ was baptized, brothers and sisters? Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Let's go right to the next chapter, brothers and sisters. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Christ led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Read that again, brother. Then was Christ led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. After deliverance comes testing, brothers and sisters. It happened with our people coming out of Egypt. It happened with Christ, brothers and sisters. See, this is on the path to freedom. Once Christ was delivered through water, he was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tested, to be tempted, brothers and sisters. The Most High is going to take you for testing in the wilderness before he brings you into freedom. Brothers and sisters, why? Because the delivered must be trained for freedom. The Most High will not trust you until he tests you, brothers and sisters, because he doesn't trust our mind. He saved your soul, but he knows that our mind is no good, brothers and sisters. See how flawlessly this fits, brothers and sisters. After the water comes wilderness. It happened with Christ. You, you're supposed to be following Christ, right? So first you have to be able to be cognizant of the bondage that you're in, right? Then you must be delivered. Once you recognize the bondage, deliverance means go lay down in that water. Son, lay down in the water. Daughter, hit the water. And when you come up, there's going to be a test. There's going to be a wilderness waiting on you, brothers and sisters. Every person who gets baptized after that, it may not be the next day, but in their life, they will be tested. Wilderness. That can last for a year. That can last for six months. But tests will arise, brothers and sisters, on your way to freedom. Why? Because you're not free yet. You've just been delivered. Now, that's key. Delivered people are 
dangerous because they think they're free and they're not, brothers and sisters. You must continue to be free. Remember Christ said that. Those who continue shall be my disciples indeed. <laughs> See? Don't get, don't get through deliverance and then turn back, brothers and sisters. Because you're not free yet. Read that one more time, brother, please. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then, then was Christ led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. See, we needed to show you that the water represents the deliverance. The wilderness represents the test, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and, hung and hungered. Continue. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Read that part again. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Continue. But he answered and said, and, But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now that's key, brothers and sisters. Why? Because we're showing you something. Before you get to freedom, the Most High is going to test what? He's going to test your appetites, brothers and sisters. Here, Christ's appetite was tested here. See, these are the tests you're going to go through in the wilderness. He's going to test your appetites. Are your loins under control? Is your, are you dealing with drug use and alcoholism? See, we all have different appetites. That's going to be tested, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4, verse 5. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and sitteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Continue. Christ said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, look at this. This is another test. This was a test for power, brothers and sisters. See? He wanted Christ to show power. So that's that next test that's going to come. He's going to test you on your appetites. He's going to test to see if you want power and control. Continue, brother. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. Verse 7. Or verse 7. Christ said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taken him up into an exceedingly high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and said unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Christ said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And that, uh, that, that final test within this chapter is that test for pride. That's the test for pride. He's going to test your pride to see, do you want to be exalted? Above what the Most High is giving you at this point. See? Now that's key, brothers and sisters, because we've showed that bondage come from what? From allowing sin to reign in your mortal body. We've also showed that deliverance has always been in water, brothers and sisters. The ritual of rescue is contained in that water. 
And now we're showing what? Once you are delivered, you must be tested, brothers and sisters. We're going through those tests. Jump back to Matthew 4, brother. Read Matthew 4 and 1. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Christ led up of the mountain into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Re read that again, brother. Then was Christ led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Continue. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hunger. So he was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. See, he was testing his appetites. See, so that's what we have to go into. Because in this wilderness, once you delivered, you must continue thereon. He's going to test your appetite. A lot of us want to be in ministry but can't keep our zipper up. See? Are your loins under control? Let's prove that, brother. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus. He's going he's gonna to test your appetites, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus chapter 18, verse 30, Brother Wesley. Ecclesiasticus chapter 18, verse 30. Go not after thy lust. Do what? Go not after thy lust, but refrain thyself from thine appetites. But what? But refrain thyself from thine appetites. If thou givest thy soul the desires that please her, she will make thee a laughing stock to thine enemies that malign thee. And this is key. Go not after thy lust. Refrain thyself from thy appetites. What was what was Satan trying to do? Test his appetites, brothers and sisters. So this scripture is showing us capitulation to our sinful appetite will result in the yoke of bondage, brothers and sisters. We must refrain from a life of pleasure and dissipation, brothers and sisters. Go not after thy lust, but refrain thyself from thine appetites. Now that's key, brothers and sisters. That is key. Why? Because the Most High is going to test your appetites in the wilderness. Is your, do you have an appetite for fornication? Do you have an appetite for sex? Do you have an appetite for, uh, you know, being inebriated and doing drugs? Do you have an appetite for pornography? Do you have an appetite for power? Do you have an appetite for pleasure? See? You must pass this test in order to obtain true freedom, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Proverbs 21 and 17, brother. You're going to test our appetites. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 17. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. Can you read that again? He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. Brothers and sisters, a self-indulgent life is reciprocated with bondage and spiritual poverty. We must not acquiesce. To our unrelenting sinful appetite, brothers and sisters. See, he that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. If that's what you chase, guess what? Those pleasures that you're chasing will lead to not only physical poverty, but spiritual poverty. Why? Because you're chasing your appetite. That's crystal clear, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Proverbs chapter 21. Verse 17, he that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. Now, why did we bring this up? 
Because he's going to test your appetite. He's going to test how much you love pleasure, brothers and sisters, in the wilderness. Guess what? Everybody goes through a wilderness, including me. I don't care how long you've known the Bible. I don't care how well you study the Bible. I don't care how much you read the Bible. You're going into the wilderness. And if you don't pass that wilderness, you will die in that wilderness. The same way our forefathers died in the wilderness, brothers and sisters. But you will go because he doesn't trust you until you go and pass the test. Deuteronomy 18, uh, excuse me, 8 and 2 said he put us in the wilderness to humble us, to prove us. What would be in our heart if we would follow him or no? See, we're in the wilderness, brothers and sisters. We're being tested, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus 19 and 5, Brother Wesley. Ecclesiasticus chapter 19, verse 5. Whoso taketh pleasure in wickedness shall be condemned. What did that say? Whoso taketh pleasure in wickedness shall be condemned. But he that resisteth pleasures crowneth his life. Read that again. Whosoever taketh pleasure in wickedness shall be condemned. But he that resisteth pleasures crowneth his life. But he that resisteth pleasures crowneth his life. We must strive for rigorous abstinence, brothers and sisters, of sin. We must display truculent defiance to our cravings, brothers and sisters. How many times does he have to tell us? I'm going to test your appetite. Don't be a, a, you know, a chaser of pleasure. Resist pleasure. Why? Because most pleasures are sinful, brothers and sisters. Don't always have to fill your appetite with what you believe pleasure is. The carnal flesh. He's going to test your appetite. He's going to test your loins, brothers and sisters. He's going to test what you pleasure. What do you find pleasure in? In the wilderness. Once you're delivered, brothers and sisters. Because why? You can hit the water. You can get baptized and come right out of that water and start dealing with fornication. Start dealing with pork and Christmas. See, you're not free. <laughs> That's why he said, once we've escaped the pollutions of the world, find ourselves entangled again. And the end is worse than the beginning. See? To show you that once you're delivered doesn't mean you can't go back into bondage, brothers and sisters. That's key. That's vital. Let's go to Proverbs, brother. 23 and 1. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 1. When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider, dilig consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat. And do what? And put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. If what? If thou be a man given to appetite. Brothers and sisters, strong temptations require severe responses. He said, consider diligently what is before thee and put a knife to thy throat. If thou be a man given to appetite. The question is, do you know your appetite? Do we know our appetites? Do we know the sins that easily beset us, brothers and sisters? And if we do, we must put a knife to those appetites and deny them by cutting off the occasion for them, brothers and sisters. The scriptures tell you how, you know, food 
or, or a feast, a lot of times is bribery. A lot of us who've been in the, you know, the world know that a lot of the big deals, the million dollar deals, billion dollar deals, they get done over dinner, brothers and sisters. It's always been in the Bible that a feast is used as bribery. So it's showing you not just about a feast and bribery, but it's showing you, guess what? Know your appetite. Put a knife to your throat if thou be a man given to appetite. So you, has, you must be able to respond severely to what your appetite is to cut it off, brothers and sisters. That's key. That's vital. That's critical, brothers and sisters. He's going to test your appetites, brothers and sisters. That's the only way to freedom. Let's go to Hosea 4 and 11 to show you another appetizer, brothers and sisters, that we deal with. Hosea chapter 4, verse 11. Hosea chapter 4, verse 11. Hordom and wine and new wine take away the heart. Read that again. Hordom and wine and new wine take away the heart. They do what? Take away the heart. This scripture illustrates the effect a drug like alcohol has on a person's mind. It takes away the heart or the mind, brothers and sisters. It's showing you that alcohol has the power to enslave the heart. Can you read that again? Hosea chapter 4 verse 11. Hordom and wine and new wine take away the heart. Hordom and wine showing you what? Fornication is every bit as enslaving and destructive as drug addiction, brothers and sisters. Continue. Hosea chapter 4, verse 12. My people ask counsel at their stocks, and their staff declareth unto them, for the spirit of whoredom has caused them to err. For what? For the spirit of whoredoms has caused them to err, and they have gone a whoring from under their God. Look at that, brothers and sisters. The spirit of fornication and whoredom will cause you to err. So like a drunken man's fidelity to his wife is destroyed by wine, being a flesh peddler weakens our strength against resisting evil, brothers and sisters. That's what this scripture is showing you. The effect of fornication and whoredom, harlotry, and wine, brothers and sisters, both take away the mind of a man. That's critical and that's key, brothers and sisters, because it's going to test your appetite. What do you have an appetite for? We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus 19 and 2, Brother Wesley. We're going to the Apographer, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus chapter 19, verse 2. Ecclesiasticus chapter 19, verse 2. Wine and women will make men of understanding to fall away. Read that again. Wine and women will make men of understanding to fall away. Brothers and sisters, this is a moral truth applicable to all times. Wine and women are a dangerous combination. The Bible says so. Can you read that again, brother? Ecclesiasticus chapter 19 verse 2. Wine and women will make men of understanding to fall away. And he that cleaveth to harlots will become imputed. So look at that. These two historically have robbed our people of themselves and laid a beast in their room, brothers and sisters. These fleshly lusts war against the soul. He's going to test your appetite, brothers and sisters. It's showing you that illicit sex and drink 
dull our minds, preventing us from thinking straightly, brothers and sisters. All immoral pleasures bring forth bondage, brothers and sisters. Wine and women will make men of understanding fall away, which shows you how powerful women are and how powerful wine is, brothers and sisters. Especially in a combination. That's a deadly combination, brothers and sisters. It's deadly. The Most High is telling you, I'm going to test your appetite. Like I tested my son's appetite in the wilderness. Like I tested your forefathers in the wilderness. Coming out of Egypt. We will be tested, brothers and sisters. To see if he can trust us, to prove us. In In order to continue... To freedom, you must what? After deliverance, continue to be free indeed. Remember that? Free indeed. Don't ever get deliverance and freedom confused, brothers and sisters. Why? Because if you think that you're free when you've only been delivered, bondage will soon follow. Brother Wesley, let's go to Isaiah 28 and 7, brother. Going back to the Tanakh, brothers and sisters. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 7. What does that say, brother? But they also have erred through wine. They have what? But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through the strong drink. They are swallowed up of the wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They what? They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. Brothers and sisters, what is it showing us? It talks about the priests and prophets erring through wine. So the leaders should display patterns of sobriety to the people. Brothers and sisters, this is powerful evidence of the iniquity that follows common intoxication. Brothers and sisters, our priests and prophets were getting drunk and they erred in their judgment and their vision, brothers and sisters. See? Go back and look in the Old Testament in the Torah. Priests, if a priest drunk before they went into the Holy of before they went to the temple, they didn't make it out. They were killed. They died in that temple. The Most High is saying, listen, the priests have to be more responsible than other people. If you take this lightly, Get inebriated and try to come into my presence. I will kill your behind. See? This is the seriousness of the Most High. I know brothers who try to, you know, uh, you know, get drunk or get high and then start reading the Bible or teaching the Bible. You're playing with the wrong one, son. That's what the Most High is saying. You're playing with the wrong one. Respect me, honor me, and come to me sober. In sobriety, I'm going to test your appetite for fornication. I'm going to test your appetite for women. I'm going to test your appetite for wine. Can you read that again, Brother Wesley? Isaiah chapter 28, verse 7. But they also have erred through wine, and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. So by drinking to excess made themselves unfit for the duties of their office, brothers and sisters. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. 
They stumble in judgment. Now that's crystal clear. He's going to test our appetites, brothers and sisters. Some of us have appetites for other things, but we're just using a couple examples, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Proverbs 31 and 4, Brother Wesley. It's telling you the priests, the prophets have to stay clear. They have to be very careful when dealing with that substance. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. Read that again, brother. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. So look at this, brothers and sisters. It says it's not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. Why? What is this talking about princes? Those who will once day one those who one day will be kings. See, those who aspire to be kings. This is showing you an, an intemperate man is ill fit to hold the reins of leadership. Why? Because the scripture before told us how our prophets and priests stumbled and erred in their vision and judgment based on them being drunk. See, so your rank dictates how much you should drink, brothers and sisters. If you're going to be leadership rulers, rulers have stricter drinking limitations than others, brothers and sisters. That's crystal clear. Read that one more time, brother. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 31, verse 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. Least they drink. And forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Now, remember, the scripture previous said that the priests and prophets got drunk, erred in their vision and stumbled in judgment. So the Bible is showing you, let every man consider his rank and let him rule his drinking accordingly. Now, we saying a brother can't drink. Listen, brothers can do whatever they want to do. But the Bible is telling you something clear. The Bible would rather you not drink at all, but if you are going to drink, use moderation. But understand, leadership is not allowed to do what everybody else can do. And that's what this scripture is trying to show us, brothers and sisters. You can't be a, a, in leadership or authority and think that you can do what other people who are not in leadership and authority can do. Brothers and sisters. See? It's not for kings to drink wine. Why? Because kings have the right to say, Hebrews, we're going to war. Kings got the right to put somebody in prison, release them from prison. Kings got the, <clears throat> excuse me, have the right to kill somebody on the spot. See? And if you're given to wine, that can pervert your judgment. See? It's showing you something, brothers and sisters. Your rank should dictate how much you drink. Find out what you aspire to be, what position you want to hold for the Most High, and moderate your drink accordingly, brothers and sisters. See, now a brother may say, well, listen, I'm not a king, so, you know, I'm not a king, so I can drink. Well, that's fine, brother, but another brother is going to say, well, if it's not behavior of kings, I'm not doing it. See? So don't try to, you know, look at a scripture and... and and philosophize what you want to philosophize from it. Because, yeah, we're not kings. Individually, we have no power. But some brothers want to do more than the bare minimum. Some brothers don't, and that's fine. 
But we're showing you how serious this was. It's not for kings to drink wine, nor princes strong drink. Why? Because it alters your perception. It alters your judgment. And when you have the other people's life in the balance, when they're trusting you for strong leadership, you have to respect that. You have to honor that and stay away from anything that will look to take away the mind of a man. Let's go to First Edgers, brother. Chapter 3, verse 18. He's going to test our appetites, brothers and sisters. First Exodus, chapter 3, verse 18. And he said thus, O ye men, how exceedingly strong is wine. Read that again. O ye men, how exceedingly strong is wine. How strong is wine. It causeth all men to err that drink it. It what? It causeth all men to err that drink it. It cause all men to err that drink it. And maketh the mind of the king and of the fatherless child to be all one. Now look at that. Look how that flawlessly links with Proverbs 31 and 4, brothers and sisters. It tells you that it maketh the mind of a king and of a fatherless child to be one. Now, anybody who knows rulership and royalty, a prince or someone who's going to be king is raised in kingship, in lordship from his birth. And a fatherless child is one who has no discipline. Why? Because the discipline comes from the father. So it makes the mind of a king and a person who have no discipline or structure the same. Can you read that again? Verse Ezra, chapter 3, verse 18. And he said thus, O ye men, how exceedingly strong is wine. It causeth all men to err that drink it. And maketh the mind of the king and of the fatherless child to be all one. Of the bondman and of the free man. So the man who's free and the slave. Of the poor man and of the rich. It turneth also every thought into jollity and mirth. So that a man remembereth neither sorrow nor death. Now that's key. 19 is key. Because it maketh the mind of a king and a fatherless child to be one. A slave and a free man to be one. And a poor and rich man to be one. Which show you what? Wine affect every man. No matter how much money you have. No matter how much status or stature you have. Whether you're a king. A brother who have no, you know, no father. No parents. A servant, a slave, a free man, a rich man, a poor man. That's why it said it causeth all men to err that drink it. So you have to respect the power of wine. And if you can't respect it, that shows something. That shows the most high something. That you don't know how powerful it is or you just don't care. Because maybe you have a problem. So anybody who takes lightly what alcohol is and what wine is. And what it has the propensity to do. Guess what? You can't be utilized for leadership. Because you're, you know, you waving this off as, as something slight, something light. And it's not. It maketh the mind of the king and of the fatherless child to be one. The bondman and the freeman, the poor man and the rich. It turneth every thought into jollity and mirth, so that a man remembereth neither sorrow or death. It take away the mind of a man. See, brothers and sisters, 
You have to be careful with it. Are we saying you cannot have wine, a glass of wine? We're not saying that. The Bible tells you if you're going to do something, do it in moderation. But understand wine is not for all people. Alcohol not is, is not for all people, brothers and sisters. Because there's more that can go wrong with it than can go right. I don't know anything that's going to go right with you having wine or alcohol. I know plenty of things that can go wrong if we have wine or alcohol. You have to use your judgment. Why? Because the Most High is testing your appetites, brothers and sisters. Let's go back to Matthew, brother. Satan tested Christ's appetite. We're going to Matthew 4 and 5. Matthew chapter 4, verse 5. Then the devil taking him up into the holy city and setteth him high, setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And what happened? And said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou, thou dash thy foot against a stone. Least what? Least, they, least thou dash thy foot against a stone. So least at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone, brothers and sisters. So what is he showing you? He's going to test you for power. God is going to test to see if you want power and control. Why? Because he was given Christ an opportunity to show his power. See? Show your power. You got power. Show it. <laughs> see, brothers and sisters? He's going to test to see if you want power and control. Let's go to Matthew. Uh, excuse me. Ecclesiasticus and the Apocrypha. 19 and 28. Follows to the Apocrypha, brothers and sisters. He's going to test to see if you want power. Ecclesiasticus, chapter 19, verse 28. And if, for want of power, he be hindered from sinning. What did that say? And if, for want of power, he be hindered from sinning, yet when he findeth opportunity, he will do evil. And if, for want of power, he be hindered from sinning. When he findeth an opportunity, he'll do evil. So this warns of corrupt cravings that cry out for power, brothers and sisters. Many desire spiritual influence for their own exaltation, brothers and sisters. Those who have a longing for greatness, for power and recognition, are repulsive to the Most High, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. <clears throat> Ecclesiasticus, chapter 19, verse 28. And if for want of power he be hindered from, from sinning, yet when he findeth opportunity, he will do evil. Motive matters, brothers and sisters. See, it's showing you if a brother, just for the want of power to be in charge, he's hindered from sinning, he hasn't changed because when he finds the opportunity, he will do it. And it's probably going to be after he had the power. See, this is showing you proof. This is showing you proof, brothers and sisters, that you'll have people who will follow the Bible, but only for the one of power. See, proof that wrongful desire for power and authority can exist even in a Torah follower, even in somebody who follow the Bible, brothers and sisters, or claim to follow the Bible. And such wrongful desires can result in bondage. And if for want of power, he be hindered from sinning. Yet when he findeth the opportunity, he will do evil to show you that some will be hindered from sinning just because they want power. 
You see that, brothers and sisters? He's going to test you to see if you want power, if you want control. Because some of us just, you know, just want to be able to have the white man kiss our boots and call the white man the devil. You can see it on YouTube. Many Israelites out there, you can tell, have no foundation, not displaying any of the fruits of spirit. They just want to have some power to tell people what to do or show that they know something. The Bible is warning you against that, that flagrant and heinous sin. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Acts chapter 8, verse 18 through 21. Why? Because we're showing you that the Most High is going to test to see if we want power, to see if we want control. Acts chapter 8, verse 18. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. So he saw, a brother Simon saw that the apostles could not only heal, but through their hand came the Holy Ghost, he offered them money. Saying what, brother? Saying, Give me also this power. Give me what? Give me also this power. If you be hindered from sinning for the one of power. Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. See, so this brother Simon was more <laughs> interested in the attention that accompanied the power. His motivation and attitude of heart were clearly improper, brothers and sisters. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought, thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Look at that. This shows the seriousness of these wrongful desires, brothers and sisters. This kind of attitude of heart is very dangerous and very serious in the eyes of the Most High. Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. See, he didn't want to go through the process. He wanted to buy this. And see, that's what a lot of people with money think. They think because they have money that they can purchase the most high. Listen, if, if, if Puff Daddy Combs came into the Commandment Keepers Church right now, we would welcome the brother with open arms and tell that brother, now pull up a seat, brother. Sit down and open up your Bible and then get the water. So you can't buy the gift of the most high. It's showing you that why some people that follow the Bible or, or, or claim to follow the Bible like Pharisees only doing it for power, brothers and sisters. Read verse 20 again, please, Wesley. Brother Wesley. Acts chapter 8, verse 20. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Continue. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. For thy heart is not right in the sight of God. See, your heart is not right in the sight of the Most High. So if a brother want power, see, if the motive behind what he doing, he's doing is for the one of power and, and control and influence, then his heart is not right in the sight of the Most High. Read the next scripture, brother. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness. Read that again. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness. And pray God, 
if the if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Look at that. The desire for power and recognition is a major reason for people coming under bondage to the evil one, brothers and sisters. They're going to test you for power. Do you want power? Do you want control? Do you want to be in charge? See? Because your heart is not right in the sight of the Most High, brothers and sisters, to show you that even somebody who claims to be an Israelite, <laughs> even somebody who claims to follow Torah and follow the law, doesn't mean that they're doing it with the right motives, brothers and sisters. Let's go back to Matthew 4 and 8, brother. Because we're showing you the test of the wilderness. Why? Because there's three phases of freedom, brothers and sisters. Bondage, deliverance, and testing. Right now, we're going into testing. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, brother. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. Again, the devil taken him up into an exceedingly high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. And the glory of them. And said unto him. All these things I will give thee. If thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Christ said unto him. Get thee hence Satan. For it is written. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. And him only shalt thy serve. So look at this. Look at this brothers and sisters. The most evil temptation is the pride of life. The very sin that resulted in Satan's expulsion from heaven. The pride of life motivates the other to lust as it seeks to elevate itself above others. See, that's the pride of life. See, brothers and sisters, he told them, fall down and worship me and I'll give you control over all of this. See, I will give you all of these kingdoms if you fall down and worship me. That's that test for pride. You want to be, you, you, you know, you want to be exalted above what the Most High has seen fit for you at this time? The pride of life. To magnify that point, let's go to 1 Peter 5 and 6, brother. Stick with us, brothers and sisters. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Do what? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Be willing to take a low place. Why? That Any, anything that produces the pride of life comes from a love of the world, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. See, those who patiently submit to him, he exalts in due time. Satan said, fall down and worship me now. And I'll exalt you. See? He's testing that pride. See, brothers and sisters? Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of the Most High, that he may exalt you in due time. Lucifer said, now nah, listen. Don't humble yourself under him. Humble yourself under me, and I'll exalt you now. He already knew Christ was going to rule the kingdoms, but he said, listen, you got to die to get that. <laughs> I'll give it to you now. See, humble yourself. Let's go to James chapter 4 and 10, brother. Chapter 4, verse 10. We're standing in the New Testament, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. Today's lesson is the journey to freedom. James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, 
and he shall lift you up. Do what, brother? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. He shall what? He shall lift you up. We must not neglect the duty of humility, brothers and sisters. As a tree must strike deep roots downwards that it may grow upwards. We must emulate that, brothers and sisters. So everyone who has not his soul fixed deep in humility exalts himself to his own ruin, brothers and sisters. See? He's going to test your appetites. He's going to test your want for power. He's going to test your pride, brothers and sisters. We all must go through the wilderness. Christ, immediately after being baptized, went straight into the wilderness, brothers and sisters. Did he go into ministry? No. The most I said, now I need you to go into the wilderness because I need to test you. I need to test your mind. See? Change of behavior is not indication of change, brothers and sisters. He said, as a man think in his heart, so is he. So just because your actions have changed doesn't mean you have changed. If your actions haven't changed, excuse me, if your thoughts haven't changed, you haven't changed. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're going to show you something. Why? Because the Most High is demanding that we grow up now, brothers and sisters. You grow up in the wilderness. You mature in the wilderness. You're proven in the wilderness. The proven grounds is the wilderness. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 10 and 16, brother. In the Old Testament. Ecclesiastes 10 and 16. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 16. Woe to thee, O land, when thy king is a child. When what? When thy king is a child, and thy princes eat in the morning. Brothers and sisters, woe. When your king is a child, a child in understanding, in judgment, in manners, in conduct, that minds his pleasures. Read that again, brother. Woe to thee, O land, when thy king is a child, and thy princes eat in the morning. Look at that. He lacks maturity. It's a terrible thing when somebody in leadership, in rulership, lacks maturity and self-control. How do we know? It says, and thy princes eat in the morning. Brothers and sisters, those of us who have children understand. I know for me, when my children wake up in the morning, the first thing they do is ask me for something to eat. <laughs> See, as a child, you're just worried about fulfilling your flesh. That's it. Now, that scripture, excuse me, this scripture where it says, when thy king is a child, that word child is actually speaking of a servant, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you that. Read that one more time, brother. Ecclesiastes. Chapter 10, verse 16. Woe to thee, O land, when thy king is a child, and thy princes eat in the morning. This is really speaking of a servant, though. How do we know? We're going to go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 in the New Testament, brothers and sisters. To show you, when he's speaking of a child, that word here is synonymous with a servant. So it, it's telling you, woe when the king is a servant. So when you have a king who has a slave's mentality, a childish slave's mentality. Read that scripture, brother. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant. Read that again, brother. Now I say that the, that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, 
though he be Lord of all, though the heir, though he be an heir, as long as he's a child, he differs nothing from a servant. The scripture previous said, woe when thy king is a child. It's showing you something here, brothers and sisters. As long as he's immature, he's not much different from a servant. <laughs> See? Can you read that again? Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. See, the position alone doesn't entitle us to true freedom until we reach maturity, brothers and sisters. Continue. But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the element of the See. elements of the world. See, that's the key. When we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. See, the unconverted mind is subjected to the influence of Satan. The net effect of the immaturity is the absence. Is the absence or abstinence of control, brothers and sisters. And this is key. Woe be to the land when thy king is a servant or a child. You have the mind of a servant, the mind of a child. See, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, please follow us to Proverbs chapter 30. We're going to read 21 through 23. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 21. For three things the earth is disquieted, and for four which it cannot bear. For a servant, when he reigneth... Now that's key. There's three things that keep the earth disquieted, and four which the earth cannot bear. Number one, a servant when he reigneth. Why? Because it's ill-advised to promote a man into leadership that still has a slave's mentality. A man with a slave's mentality is unfit for authority. And a fool when he is filled with the meat. Why? Because a fool is hard enough to deal with before he's eaten, <laughs> brothers and sisters. For an odious woman, when she is married, and a handmaid that is heir to her mistress. So we need you to see something here, brothers and sisters. There's something critical here. Each of these illustrations describes people unprepared for their new status. See? It's ignorance to think that a promotion will improve the abilities or diligence of a man or woman. This is what he's showing you, brothers and sisters. People don't become better with a promotion. <laughs> you must be diligent before you get the promotion, but why? Because why? The promotion must be based on your ability to be diligent in that particular field. For a servant, when he reigneth, woe be to the land whose king is a child, or whose king is a servant, brothers and sisters. See, he's trying to get us to grow up our mind, brothers and sisters. Why? Because even when you're delivered, you still have the mindset of a slave. That's why we walk through the wilderness for 40 years, because when you've been in bondage for so long, your mind is still working as a slave. See? There's a slave's mentality. Our people are dealing with it right today. From the transatlantic slave trade, there's a slave's mentality, brothers and sisters, that he's trying to wipe away. That's why he said, be ye transformed <laughs> in the renewing of your mind. Why? Because you have the mind of a slave. 
and I want you to be king. I can't have kings with a slave's mentality. How do we know he wants us to be kings? Brothers and sisters, follow us to Revelations 5 to prove that the Most High has done what? He's planned for us to be kings. That's why he's saying one thing that disquieted the earth is to have a slave's mentality with a king's priorities or a king's power. Ecclesiastes 10 and 16 said, Woe be to the land when thy king is a slave or a child's mind. So we need to go to Revelation to prove to you that we're supposed to be kings. Continue. Uh, read that, brother, please. Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. And had made us unto our God kings and priests. Read that again. And has made us unto our God kings and priests. Kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. So look at that. We shall reign on the earth. In order to become kings, we must grow up, brothers and sisters. And the wilderness was to teach us responsibility. Without learning to take responsibility, we can never experience freedom, brothers and sisters. And that's what he's showing you. See, if you have a servant who's been made king, he's ill-equipped. It's ill-advised, rather, to place a man in, or woman in a leadership role that they're not qualified for, brothers and sisters. So he's saying, listen, your destiny is to reign on earth. But you must take away the mentality of Egypt. You must take away the mentality of bondage. You must take away the mentality of slavery. You must become responsible. You must show responsibility. See? We're going to go to Psalms 119 and 45. Bear with us, brothers and sisters. Psalms chapter 119, verse 45. Psalms chapter 119, verse 45. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. Can you read that again, brother? And I will walk at liberty, for I, for I seek thy precepts. I will walk at liberty. I will walk in freedom, for I seek thy precepts. To show you what? There is no liberty without law, brothers and sisters. Only in the law can he teach us the responsibilities of being free. Brothers and sisters, can you read that again? Psalms chapter 119, verse 45. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. See? So, brothers and sisters, what he's trying to show us is there is a burden that comes with freedom. Brothers and sisters, taking responsibility. You must take responsibility. Why? Because you can't have a ruler who can't take responsibility. That has the mind of a slave. That has a slave's mentality. We're going to show you. Let us show you something here. Let's go to Numbers 11 and 4. After we were brought into the wilderness. Or, or after we were brought out of Egypt. Into the wilderness. Brothers and sisters. Look at what was transpiring in the wilderness. Amongst our people. Brothers and sisters. Numbers chapter 11 verse 4. And the mixed multitude. That was among them fell at. Fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again, and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? And said what? Who shall give us flesh to eat? Continue. We remembered the fish, which we did eat in Egypt freely, the, the cucumbers, and the melons, and the leeks, 
and the onions and the garlic. Continue. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Look at that, brothers and sisters. We were not free of our slave mentality. We were delivered, but still had a slave's mentality. I need you to examine this closely. Read verse 4 again, brother. Numbers chapter 11, verse 4. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Said what? Who shall give us flesh to eat? Who shall feed us? Who will give us flesh to eat? We remembered the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. We what? We remembered the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the, cu the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Read. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Brothers and sisters, what is it showing you? Even though we were delivered, brothers and sisters, we still had the mind of a servant. The mind of a slave. See? There is no greater burden than freedom, brothers and sisters. There's no heavier load than liberty, brothers and sisters. The security of slavery is the absence of responsibility. <laughs> See, as a slave, they provided the food. It was free. <laughs> we remember the fish. We ate in Egypt freely. It says, but now our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all. See? You want to be free. You claim you want to be free, but then you're begging to be a slave again. See? People like slavery because in slavery you don't have to be responsible, brothers and sisters. See? The truth is freedom imposes more laws on you than slavery. Freedom demands more work than slavery, brothers and sisters. See, when you're a slave, they'll feed you. They'll provide for you. When you're free, you provide for yourself. You see that, brothers and sisters? This is what he was trying to show us. He's saying you want to be free, but you're begging for servitude. See, brothers and sisters? The slave mentality still existed even though we were delivered. That's why we have to be careful getting confused Deliverance and freedom. Because why? You haven't, you're not, you haven't experienced freedom just because you've been delivered. You have to work towards freedom. Deliverance is the ability to pursue freedom. And he's showing us how to be free. We, we didn't want to take responsibility. We remember the fish. We remember the cucumbers and melons that we ate freely in Egypt. Yeah, but you were a slave. See, I'm trying to teach you how to be free. You have to be taught how to be free. You have to have a renewed mind. This is what he was showing, brothers and sisters. You must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because you have a slave's mentality. Woe be to the land who has a king as a servant, brothers and sisters. See? Three things disquiet the earth. A servant when he reigned. See, brothers and sisters, and then he tell us in Revelations 5 and 10, our destiny is to be kings. But first, you must take away this slave's mentality. See, brothers and sisters, there's a burden that come with freedom, brothers and sisters. See, remember when we were children, I can't wait to get on my own. I can't wait to get out of here. And then what happened when you got out? 
bills, job, <laughs> gas money, grocery shopping. Yeah, exactly. See, he's telling you, you don't know what freedom is yet. I have to teach you what freedom is. I have to remove that slave's mentality from you. Let's go to Isaiah 30 and 12, brother. We're almost done here, brothers and sisters. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 12. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 12. Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because ye despise this word, and trust in oppression and perverseness. And do what? And trust in oppression and perverseness and stay therein. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Because you trust in oppression and perverseness and stay therein. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Showing that our people trust in oppression. See? The slave mentality is still very much among us, brothers and sisters. We're happy being slaves saying we want freedom. We have no true understanding of the concept of freedom, brothers and sisters. Freedom requires hard work and responsibility. Elements we have been conditioned to avoid, brothers and sisters. See? The attraction of slavery is the privilege to blame. When you're oppressed, you can always blame your oppressor. <laughs> See? You always have someone to blame. <laughs> That's why we don't run around saying the white man is the devil and point to everything the white man has done. Why? Because that's indication that you still have a slave's mentality. Looking for someone to blame. The Most High is saying, I need you to be responsible. I need you to grow up. I need you to have a renewed mind. See? You trust in oppression and perverseness and stay there on. See? I have to teach you how to be free. Freedom didn't, we didn't experience freedom until we got into Canaan or the land of Israel, brothers and sisters. When we started to grow our own foods, build our own homes. That's why he said, to be free indeed, you must persevere. You must continue because deliverance is not freedom. You must walk away from that slave's mentality to where it's always someone else's fault. See, brothers and sisters? Now, the question is, when did this spirit enter the earth? The spirit of blaming and irresponsibility and not taking responsibility, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, follow us here. We're in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9 through 13 to show what? When the destructive spirit of irresponsibility was released, where was that? That was in the Garden of Eden, brothers and sisters. And the whole earth is suffering under this destructive influence of irresponsibility. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou should not, shouldst not eat? Did you eat of that tree, Adam? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. What did he say? 
The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. This is where it started, brothers and sisters. This is where that spirit of blame transformed. Blame transferred. This was the source of it. He not only did he blame the woman, he blamed the most high because he said it was the woman you gave me. See? This is where it started, brothers and sisters. This is where that slave mentality started. Why? Because this is when slavery started. This is when servitude to sin started. It brought on that spirit, that mentality of blame, brothers and sisters. See, and men are doing it today. Well, if you, you know, because of the woman I did this, because of the woman I'm doing that, because of the woman I'm not able to do this. Or they'll blame the fact that a woman isn't there. If I, if there was a woman there, I would be able to do this. I would be more diligent at that. I would be able to do this. See? He's saying I'm trying to take that spirit of slavery, of captivity off of your mind. Where it's always someone else's fault. See? Grow up. Be responsible. It's a terrible thing. For a king to have the mind of a slave. Read that scripture one more time, brother. Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. See, continue. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. See? So, and then women are doing it too. Well, because of him, I'm depressed. Well, because of him, I did this. See? So it didn't only affect the man, it affected the woman also. But it starts with the man. See? We have to get out of that spirit of slavery, that spirit of servitude, that spirit of bondage, that mentality where it's always someone else's fault. It's always someone else's responsibility. That's the mind of a slave, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Jeremiah 31 and 30, and we're going to end it here, brothers and sisters. The Most High is telling, them, telling us he needs us to grow up. He needs us to grow up and quickly, brothers and sisters. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 30. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Read that again. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. The law of individual responsibility. Every man that eateth the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. So brothers and sisters, he's not going to give us a golden ticket into the kingdom. We must earn it. Christians think I don't have to follow any laws, but I'll be rewarded. I'm going to get into heaven, even though I don't follow any laws. See, he's telling you, you must become responsible. You are responsible for entering into the kingdom of heaven. You are responsible. It's no one else's fault. It's no one's fault while you're breaking the Sabbath. It's no one's fault while you're breaking, you know, uh, eating unclean foods. It's no one else's fault. It's not the pastor's fault while you're going to church on Sunday or you're celebrating Christmas. Why? Because the book was there to be read. We have to get out of this slave mentality. Read that again, brother. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 30. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grape, 
His teeth shall be set on edge. So this particular text, brothers and sisters, lays stress on the truth that each man is responsible for his own acts. And we're warned not to neglect truth of the special responsibility of the individual, brothers and sisters. We must lose that slave's mentality, brothers and sisters. We must learn what freedom is. We must first learn what bondage is. After learning what bondage is, be delivered through water. And after you are delivered, brothers and sisters, you must go through the wilderness to come out on the other side into freedom. Brothers and sisters, the security of slavery is the absence of responsibility, brothers and sisters. In slavery, you don't have to be responsible. You want security? Then go to prison. The comfort of oppression is that abstinence or the absence of self-determination, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was the journey to freedom, brothers and sisters, where we use the Bible to illustrate what bondage is, how to remove ourselves from that bondage, how to be delivered, and how to be tested in order to come into freedom, brothers and sisters. It's a rigorous course. Satan will not allow us to be free easily, brothers and sisters. Why? Why, brothers and sisters? Because those who we are in bondage under, those who we are servants to, sin, Satan, have experienced <laughs> the benefits of our servitude. So they're not going to allow you to just get it easily. The same way with the Native American Indians. Anytime somebody is fighting for freedom, usually blood is shed, brothers and sisters. Because those who are ruling you are not going to give up your servitude that easy, brothers and sisters. We have to get out of that mindset of bondage. We have to get out of that mindset of, of slavery. We have to get out of that mindset of oppression, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was the journey to freedom. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.